Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I heard an old, old story. How a savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. This is Jerry McGee, and the message is on how to enter God's rest, overcoming life's obstacles. You know, we all have obstacles to overcome. We're all a work in progress. And um, I'll just uh, pray, and then we'll uh, I'll teach the message. And if anyone wants prayer afterwards, call 646 595 Four seven eight four, and don't forget to press one. I'll be happy to pray for you. You can email me at jerrymcgee at sbcglobal.net, and that's G like George E R I M C G H E E at sbcglobal.net, or you can write me at um, Abiding Life Ministries, Post Office Box eleven forty one, Lindale, Texas. 75771 and today is June 19th 2018 it's amazing how fast this year has already gone by a friend of mine said once it's like two wash loads of clothes and it's another year so Lord we just come before your throne and we just thank you for your goodness we thank you for your mercy we thank you that you're the teacher we thank you that you are the living word of God we thank you that you sent your word to heal us. Thank you and praise you, Lord, that you watch over your word to perform it. Thank you, Lord, that the leaf withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Lord, we thank you that your word is our plumb line. And, Lord, help us align ourselves with the word tonight. I pray, Lord, that you speak through me. I pray that your word will be like well-driven nails given by you, Lord, the shepherd. I ask you, Lord, to download me with a word from heaven. I pray for each person who's listening in, Lord, that the truth will set them free. I pray that every person who listens in, Lord, to this program will have victory over living a life of unrest in Jesus' name. You know, most Americans and most people and even most believers live a, a lifestyle of unrest. They can't even rest. Sometimes they can't sleep at night. 
sometimes they sleep at night but live in a state of unrest. Unrest is a curse according to the Bible. The title of this message is, over, is Overcoming Life's Obstacles Through Entering God's Rest or you could say entering God's rest through conquering the giants in your life, in, in the land. You know, in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, it says you're a building, you're a house, and you're a field. In uh, Mark 4 and Luke 8 and Matthew 13, the Bible says we're soil. And so <clears throat> um, we are, really, we're dirt. But praise God, we're a field, we're a vineyard, we're the vineyard of the Lord of hosts, and we have giants in this land. We have things in our lives that we need to conquer that weren't conquered in childhood. Everything that we did not conquer in childhood, we have to conquer now. In fact, our life, for the most part, is a rerun of how we grew up. How parents train up a child is what sets a default. And, of course, those defaults can be broken, but praise God. But unrest is a curse, according to Deuteronomy 28. Uh, and it comes in through disobedience to the voice of God and his commandments. In Deuteronomy 28:64, it says, Moreover, the Lord will scatter you among all the peoples from one end of the earth to the other. And one way we get scattered is through soul ties. <clears throat> and, and there you shall serve your other gods of wood and stone, which you and your fathers have not known. Verse 65, Among those nations you will find no rest, there will be no resting place for the sole of your foot, but the Lord will give you a trembling heart. There's heart palpitations, heart problems, failing eyes. That's all kinds of eye problems, and I certainly have been under that curse. But praise God, um, through repentance and through the truth that's setting me free, I'm getting better. Hallelujah. It, but said the Lord will give you a, a trembling heart, a failing of eyes, and despair of soul. Um, it comes in through the generational iniquities of the forefathers. Many of us were born in a state of unrest. If you grew up with uh, family members that never let you rest, I know people that never, ever even let their kids rest. They, they may be calling them three times a day, but when they were growing up, they never could let down. And so that can be another thing, judgments uh, on parents of how you're trained up, but it comes in through the generational iniquities of the forefathers. The Bible says the sins of the fathers pass on to the children to the third and fourth generation. Basically, uh, it's a curse because unrest is a curse because there's only one way you have rest, and that's uh, found in Matthew 11:28 and 29, where Jesus said, "Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest." Take my yoke upon your neck and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble, and you shall find rest for your soul. Now, this is a purpose. This is a this is a picture of us coming under the control of the Holy Spirit. It it's a picture of submission to His Lordship. Uh, wearing His yoke in the Spirit means um, that I'm letting Him control me by His Holy Spirit which produces a walk in the spirit. And Galatians says, if I walk in the spirit, I'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And aside from um, God setting aside a day for us to rest, God wants his children, you and I, to live in a state of, of rest. God rested himself after six days. He rested on the Sabbath. And God says 
to fear not. Fear is a sin, but the Bible tells us there are some things that we should fear. Hebrews chapter 4, and if you've got your Bibles, read along with me because it'll be more meaningful to you. And as I uh, speak, if there's something that the Holy Spirit convicts your heart of, begin to ask God to forgive you right then and even before we go on, and you'll get even a greater deliverance. Uh, Hebrews 4 wants us to see, to says, see to it that we do not fail to enter God's rest. Now, this is a place of, rest is a place of victory. It's a place of fixing your eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Uh, It's a picture of he'll keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed upon him. Rest is a picture of God's total, God's total peace. He goes on to say, some did not enter God's rest because of unbelief and rebellion. Uh, Hebrews 4, 1 says, therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had the good news preached to us, just as they also, but they, the word did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he has said, as I swore to them in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished, from the foundation of the world, for he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God did on the seventh day from all his works. <clears throat> and again, in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 6, therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them, failed to enter because of disobedience. And of course, disobedience is not only um, a lack of faith, but fear, but it's rebellion. He again fixed a certain day, saying today, through David, after so long a time, just as he has said before, today, when you hear God's voice, do not harden your heart. Now, when when God speaks to us and we harden our heart and we refuse to listen, we refuse to listen, our heart becomes harder and harder. And uh, for us to enter God's rest, we have to come under God's control. And that means that requires that we have to listen to what he's saying. Verse 4, I'm sorry, verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And basically, this is living in a state of rest moment by moment as we continue to yield to his lordship. Verse 10, for the one who has entered his rest has himself rested from his works. Now, that just means that I trust God in every area. The things that I get stressed out about, I just let go and trust that God knows what's best for me. If I'm uh, the clay and he's the potter, then I stay on the potter's wheel and let the potter do whatever he wants to do with me or with my life or with my circumstances. It says his rest, his rest has himself also rested in his works and God did from him. Therefore, let us be diligent 
to enter that rest so that no one will fall, fall through following the same example of disobedience. And it's speaking of the children of Israel. The children of Israel had a physical land to possess with real um, giants, but we have a spiritual land to possess, and it's the things that we didn't possess when we were children. And we have to possess today, what we have to possess today is what we didn't possess as children. You know, we didn't know as children not to let the sun go down on our anger. And every place a parent violated the word of God in training us up, we have an issue. Now, thank God he doesn't show us all of our issues at once. It's little by little. And it's a process that takes a lifetime. You know, it tells us in, I believe it's Exodus 15, that God doesn't drop the enemy out in one day. Deliverance is like peeling an onion. You know, when we're trying to overcome something, we're in really a state of unrest. But the minute we have victory over it, rest comes. And the things, you know, just some of the things that we didn't deal with as children, and maybe we're trying to deal with them now and we don't know how to do it, is anger and bitterness and unforgiveness and pain and depression and discouragement and and um, throwing fits. You know, some people still throw fits. This discouragement, uh, fear, wanting to control others, rebellion, letting others control you, self-pity, despair, hopelessness, uh, worry, anxiety, tension, stress, nervousness. I mean, I could just go on and on. You could just think, what is it in your life that's got you uh, down or has you in bondage? You know, you have an idol when it makes you angry when you don't get it, or when you have it, you fear you'll lose it, or if you don't have it, you fear you won't get it, or if you get depressed when you don't get it. You know that idolatry is behind it. And those are the things we have to overcome because God's word says that no idolater will enter the kingdom of heaven. And so in some ways, your life and my life is a rerun of how we grew up. It's very important that we deal with any and all of our unresolved issues. You know, many times, in, a, in fact, 99% of the time in a marriage, the things that bother you about your mate are the very things that bothered you about your mother and father. You know, if we judge our mother and father, life does not go well in whatever area that we judge our mother and father in. So, you know, I could stop this message right now and say, where is your life not going well? You can trace it back to the violation of that scripture that says, children, honor your father and mother that all may be well with you and that your days be long upon the earth. Now, honor doesn't mean you have to like them. It doesn't mean that if they're evil, you have to fellowship with them, but honor means to forgive them. You can honor the, the, their position. You can thank God that you were born. And if you're a person that doesn't thank God that you were born, a person that wishes you had never been born, there's a spirit of death working in you or a suicide spirit, and you need to repent because if you wish you were dead, guess what? That opens you up to a spirit of death. So we have to deal with all unresolved childhood issues. And praise God, God lets people in, be in your life to mirror what he wants to change in you. He, he brings turkeys into your life, and you think the turkeys are, are the problem, but really the problem is you and I. We're really the turkey that needs to get healed. And God lets people reflect whatever happened to us, negative or positive, or basically uh, not the positive, more the negative, because he's trying to show us where 
we haven't forgiven our mother and father. And and I have discovered that when some turkey is in my life, and I think it's the turkey, and I've been there and done that myself, <clears throat> I realize that it, God may be showing me something that I have done myself because what we sow, we reap, good and bad, because of the law of God's sowing and reaping. You say, well, I don't believe in that. Well, one of his laws is the law of gravity. You say, well, I don't believe in the law of gravity. Go jump off of a building and see if you don't hit the ground. Whether you believe it or not, God has laws, that spiritual laws that govern the universe. And wherever we dishonor our parents by letting the sun go down on our anger, we have an issue. And I can say that everywhere a parent violates the word of God in training you up, you have an issue. Now, it may be a hidden issue. It may be an issue you don't yet see. But it'll crop up if you're per, if you're a person that's persevering and overcoming. Eventually, that thing will come up, and then you'll see it, and you think, "Well, why didn't I deal with that 20 years ago or 30 years ago? I didn't deal with it because God had other things for me to deal with before I could even see it." <clears throat> and so, the things that are vexing you today are the very things that vexed you in your childhood. And if you're married, or if you're in a situation, or if you have people that you really are turkeys in your life. Ask God if you've done the same thing they're doing or, excuse me, ask the Lord, did you judge your parents for doing it or for not doing it? Because whenever you forgive and then repent of letting the sun go down on your anger and break those inner vows that you're not going to do this or you're not going to have this or um, this is never going to happen to you or when you grow up, life's going to be different. Those vows bind you to the very thing that you promised wasn't going to happen. A vow, a vow, a verbal vow or an inner vow works kind of like a train track. You may want to go a different direction, but you'll go the way of the vow. So those vows have to be broken, and those vows are idols. We don't know as children that we can go to God, so what we do is we turn to promises we made our, make ourselves, um, and those promises are false gods. And when I make a promise, you know, if if I'm a child and I'm going through something, if I forgive my parents, and I turn to God in it, and most of us don't. In fact, 99% of us don't know to do that. We turn to God in it. We don't, we don't turn to idolatry. But if we turn to something else, we turn to an idol, and that sets us up to reap the very thing that we promised wasn't going to happen or would happen. And so you were provoked in, uh, to anger in every area in which your parents violated the word of God in training you up. God allows these issues to surface in our lives, in our daily lives, as a part of his sanctifying process. Sanctifying process. And that is if we are wise enough to deny ourselves, give up our lives, and let go of our lives, and let God discipline us. You know, the Bible says he disciplines every son whom he loves. And um, that discipline means, the discipline is just to correct mistakes. Wherever parents didn't do it right or wherever we haven't done it right, as we listen to him and ask him what he's trying to show us, then what happens is um, we, we see ourselves and we repent, and then God lets us come to rest in that area. You know, I sent a thing, a te- um, an email out a few days ago with thoughts to encourage, and a precious man said, I've done all that, and my wife still treats me terrible. Well, there's something this precious man doesn't see. I mean, there's layers and layers and layers of things that have happened to us 
you just can't just generally forgive your parent in one lump sum. I mean, God honors your willingness to forgive, but in every issue of where your parents violated the word of God, you've got to forgive them. And so when we don't forgive them, then we're reaping the very same things. And so to overcome and conquer giants in our life, we have to overcome the things that we didn't overcome as children. So whatever the problem is, pointing us to what God wants to sanctify next in our lives. And he allows other people to do the same thing to us uh, or do the same actions and or the misdeeds to us that vexed us in our childhood or adulthood. And also, a lot of times, you know, when I when there's a person that's a turkey in my life, the Lord said, you did the very same thing you're judging this person for. And so we're either we've either done it or we've judged it. So we need to repent. And so God wants through the circumstances to give us a clear picture of what we need to repent of. You say, well, I, you know, God, this precious man said, well, God never speaks to me. Well, that's another issue. If you don't think God ever speaks to you, that goes back to your daddy or mother never communicating with you. If if your parents communicated with you, then it's easy for you to believe God wants to talk to you. If your parents would answer your questions, it's easy to believe that God's going to give me answers but if your parents didn't then that's something else you need to forgive them for is not um not communicating because the lie is you know god is not like your mother and father but when we judge our parents it puts a block between us and god and the very judgment he made on his parents has blocked him from hearing god so that has to be dealt with too you know we're all a work in progress and this is not to discourage anybody but this is to just encourage you that God's got an answer for everything you're going through but the problem is we just don't ask him and we need to ask him and if he's not talking to us then we need to go back to our childhood what's your mother like what's your daddy like and then deal with it and so God allows through other people to give us a clear picture even if God didn't speak to us that mirror that the other person is reflecting is to show you yourself and so God wants us to live an overcoming life and praise God he tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling and this is how we do it deliverance is like a a, like peeling an onion Thank God he don't have to take off all the layers at once, but one one at a time, whatever the problem is, is pointing me to what he wants to deal with next in my life. And what always also point out what I've not been forgiven for. If I'm reaping what I sow, then I'm going to be, a lot of these people in my life are going to be doing treating me exactly the way I've treated other people. <clears throat> And so when an issue is dealt with and I have victory over it uh, and I've conquered it, then rest and peace comes in that particular area of victory. And then, you know, he lets me rest a few days and then he'll show me something else he wants to deal with. And just as there were giants in the land of Canaan, uh, we have giants in our land. And the giants in our land are what we didn't over, what we failed to conquer in our childhood. You know, God tells us in Ephesians 4 not to let the sun go down on our anger because uh, we give a foothold to the devil. You know, God tells parents, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. 
I can say train up a child in the way he should not go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. And so we have to, how you're trained up, it sets a default in your life. You know, like a default on a computer, you know, you can type a letter using any font, but when you go to another letter, it'll kick it back to the font that the factory set it to be. And it's the same with us. How we're trained up sets a default, and we try to break out of these defaults in the flesh without dealing with our childhood issues, and we keep getting kicked back into how we're trained up. But praise God, he wants to break those defaults. You know, how you're trained up is your wilderness experience. And you know where God says, everything works together for good to those that love the Lord, to the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of Christ. Well, it won't work for our good if we go through a trial and we don't deal with it God's way. We don't get to the bottom of why we're doing certain things or what happened to us in our childhood or what our mother was like and our father was like. Uh, If you don't deal with that, then um, there's there's no victory. And so how you're trained up determines your wilderness experience. And you can be delivered from all of these things. And I want to say this. I had a man once say, well, you shouldn't blame your, you shouldn't, uh, blame, I shouldn't have to repent if my father, my mother and father, raped, my mother raped me or my daddy raped me. No, you're not repenting for the rape. What you're repenting of is your wrong response to the rape. You let the sun go down in your anger. And that's what God tells you not to do because whenever we do that, we're in bondage to whatever area that we've let the sun go down on our anger. It says in Ephesians, do not let the sun go down on your anger, lest you give a foothold to the devil. <clears throat> Before it says that, it says, be angry and sin not. And I used to think that that, that meant just deny that I'm, just deny, you know, just pretend I'm not angry. Well, my husband said, well, are you angry? I said, no, no, no. Well, you you sure you're not angry? No, no, I'm not angry. Are you sure? And I'd say, no. I'm not angry well you have a funny look on your face <clears throat> so it doesn't mean deny it it means to yes I'm angry yes I take accountability for it yes I have a right to be angry because you what you've done to me is not right but because I love God more than I love this demon of unforgiveness I choose to forgive you and forgiveness is a choice it's not an not an emotion And so we have to repent of our wrong reactions to what happened to us by letting the sun go down on our anger, by not turning to God, but turning to a promise we make ourselves. Praise God, through Christianity, we can redeem lost opportunities if we submit to God's discipline or his correction. You know, if he's trying to correct us and we're just willfully rebellious, I mean, guess what? He, you know, the spanking is harder. But discipline means just to correct mistakes. Son, daughter, you've done wrong. You, you, you're, you need to align your life up with the word of God. That's what discipline means, is just to correct our mistakes, <clears throat> the mistakes of our parents. The scripture says, whoever loves discipline loves his own soul. Because if I love discipline and I love my own soul, it means I'm going to get freer and healthier and happier <clears throat> by receiving discipline 
in the New Testament, God tells us in Philippians 2.12, and I've already quoted this, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Hebrews 12 says, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no man will see God. Uh, King James says, without holiness, no man will see God. And so how do we know that we're, we're uh, overcoming? How do we know we're not possessing our land? How do we know we're not conquering the giants in our life? How, we, how do we know that we're not working out our salvation with fear and trembling? Well, first of all, when you hold on to anger and unforgiveness, are you a person that's angry all the time and unforgiving all the time? Because if you are, God, you know, unforgiveness is the only sin God won't heal and won't, won't forgive you for. That and blaspheming the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> but um, God says if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. In fact, Matthew 18 says when you don't forgive, that you and I are turned over to the torturers, which means in the Greek demons that inflict pain. It means the pain of disease. It means an inquisitor. An inquisitor is someone that stretches someone out on a rack and tortures him till he gets what he wants. Uh, we know we're not overcoming. We're not uh, um, allowing God to sanctify us. You know, positionally, he sanctified us at Calvary, but we have to work it out. Um, we know that we're not possessing our land or conquering the giants in our land uh, when we continue to get our buttons pushed. You know, wherever you have a button pusher, I can tell that hot wire is connected to an idol. And God says, no, idolater will enter the kingdom of heaven. Personally, since God showed me this, I don't allow anger in my life and I don't allow fear in my life if those things would come uh, or discouragement because it's idolatry. In fact, you say, well, you know, that's not idolatry. Well, First Samuel fifteen twenty three says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and all iniquity is as idolatry. You know that you're not overcoming or possessing your land or allowing your circumstances to conform you to the image of Christ when you're a grumbler or a complainer. You know, if you're a grumbler or a complainer, or, um, it's a sure sign that you're in a backslid condition. Uh, this, being a, this being a negative person, uh, I think all of us hate to be around a negative person. Well, God hates it too because negativity is not uh, is not a faith, and whatever's not a faith is sin. But when you're a grumbler, complainer, or a negative person, it's a sure sign that you have a backsliding spirit, and backsliding is one of the major causes of back problems. You know you're not overcoming or conquering the giants in your land when you're getting bitter instead of better. Hebrews 12 says, See to it no root of bitterness takes you over, and by it many be defiled. You know you're not overcoming or working out your salvation with fear and trembling or conquering giants when you're overcome instead of when you're overcome instead of overcoming. Second <clears throat> Peter two nineteen and twenty says, promising them freedom from freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by that he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of Christ the Savior and got entangled again, the last state of that man is worse than the first. It goes on to say, just, you know, you can 
just like a pig uh, returns to wallowing the mire and a sow returns to, I'm sorry, just as, as a sow returns to wallowing the mire and a, and a dog returns to its vomit is what uh, he's saying about us if after we've overcome the, 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 the world and then get entangled in it again, the last state, our last state becomes worse than the first. We know that we're not living a life of victory and not overcoming when we live in a state of unrest, when we are ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. In other words, I never get it. I can sit under the word, sit under the word, sit under the word, never get revelation knowledge, never never change by anything I hear. Second Timothy 3, 6 says, For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighted down with sins led on by various impulses always learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth they don't ever get it they don't ever learn by anything they go through you know it the bible says that a wise person will learn when he goes through something but a fool will just go on and suffer for it so the question is have you been a fool are you being a wise person we know we're not overcoming or conquering our giants when we uh, do not have a love of the truth. You know, it's the truth that sets me free. Jesus said in John, let's see, John 8, he said, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we have to be lovers of the word, lovers of truth. In fact, it says, if, the Bible says, if we don't love the truth, he sends us, God sends us a strong delusion so we cannot believe and be saved. <clears throat> we know we're not conquering giants in our land, not overcoming when we walk in pride, uh, when we're holding on to our life. John 12, Jesus said, let go of your life that you might find it. You hold on to your life and you lose it. You know you're not conquering giants in your life, in your life when you live in a state of discontentment. First um, Timothy 6 says that godliness, is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. And so if we are not living contented lives, if we are never satisfied, it was never good, never enough, never have enough this, never have enough that, not satisfied, then we kind of invalidate uh, our relationship with the Lord. Godliness is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. So let your godliness be a means of gain by being contented. And I believe all of us, if we're not, if we're, even if we're contented now, I remember a time when I was discontented and I read that scripture and I thought, well, Lord, I'm not, not, I'm not contented, but I can tell you today I'm very contented. And I thank God for that. Just to give you an example, I remember a time when I was younger, um, probably 30 years younger than I am now. I'd go through a mall and I'd want everything I everything I could see I'd want. And now, honestly, I could walk through a mall today and not be interested in anything I would see. And I thank God for that. That's a gift from God. And God wants to bring us to the place where we're contented by anything that we have to go through. And I, and I can tell you, I'm still a work in progress. There may be some things like, for example, issues that come up on the day-to-day basis I've been guilty of grumbling and complaining myself. But then when I catch myself, I repent. 
And you know you're not conquering a giant or overcoming anything when you have uh, a form of godliness, but you deny the power. And the power, I used to think that the power meant the power of signs and wonders and miracles and healings, but it means the power inherent in godly living. It means repentance. You're denying repentance. And every time we have a victory in any given area, we come to rest in that area. And just what is God's rest? And how do you how do you obtain how do you enter it? How do you obtain it? Well you obtain it by just total surrender, totally letting go of your life, totally putting everything in God's hands. But rest in the Greek means to put to rest, to make quiet, to give rest, to lead to a quiet abode. God's rest is the place of peace and confidence and perfect trust in the character promises and provisions of god god's rest is a constant willful choice of leaning on the person of god depending upon him alone to do what you cannot do for yourself my friend um, a spiritual son of mine said to me the other day when uh, i went through some things and uh, I was asking God, why did I go through those things? The Lord showed me I was walking in pride. And I confessed this to my spiritual son. And he said, you know, the more we go with the Lord, the more we realize how messed up we are. You know, earlier years, you might have thought when you first gave your heart to Jesus that maybe you did Jesus a favor. Well, let me tell you something. The more closer you are to God, the more sin you see in your life. You think it'd be the other way around. Entering God's rest means to abide in the vine john 15 says if you abide in the vine um, you'll produce much fruit and then he goes on to say if you don't produce fruit he cuts you off throws you in a fire get burned uh, he says you're my friends if you do what i say and he says in john 15 you didn't choose me but i chose you that you might go and bear fruit it's the fruit of the holy spirit it only comes in through dying to our life Entering God's rest means to cast all your cares on the Lord Because he cares for you Matthew 6 says Consider the lilies, they neither spin or toil Yet God in all of his glory uh, Clothes them Philippians 4, 6 says Be anxious for nothing but by prayer and supplication With thanksgiving Make your request be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all knowledge, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And to cast all your cares on the Lord means that you come unto him and take his yoke upon your neck. And it's a spiritual yoke. If you don't have Jesus' yoke on your neck, you can't see the yoke of Jesus. It's a, it's a spiritual thing that cannot be seen with the naked eye. But, you know, we live a life of putting uh, ourselves under self-inflicted yokes. We let other people control us and put their yokes on our neck. We um, control others and put our yokes on their necks. And there's a yoke of iron that's a curse in Deuteronomy 28 that says that there'll be no rest. Let's see. It says um, he'll put an iron yoke on your neck and you'll serve your enemies in hunger and thirst and and the lack of all things, and he'll put an iron yoke on your neck until you're destroyed. In um, Romans 8, 13, 
it says, well, uh, sons of God are led by the spirit of God, for we've not received the spirit of slavery or bondage leading to fear again, but we've received the spirit whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. And so there's yokes that we wear. There's only one yoke that our neck fits. And, it, and I'm telling you, yokes on your neck, if they're not the yoke of Jesus, they can cause headaches. They can cause neck problems. Uh, you may think you need neck surgery, but I'm telling you what you need is submission to the Lordship of Jesus and to quit bowing your bowing your neck when God tries to speak truth through you, to you through other people. You know, have you ever shared truth with someone and they say to you, yeah, but I don't really believe that. Can I tell you that's an antichrist spirit? Antichrist is anti-contradicting the word of God. You know, my word means nothing. Your word means nothing. But God's word should be our plumb line. And whatever I teach, if you can show me in God's word that it's different, I'll change what I teach because it's not an idol in my life. But I love the word of God and praise God. Um, he's working victories in my life. Um, but entering God's rest means also to wait upon the Lord. Isaiah 40 says, uh, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up the wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Uh, to wait means to hope for, to expect, to wait patiently on the Lord. It means to believe that God's got a plan and that he's ordered your steps. Praise God, God's plans and purposes cannot be thwarted. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says he knows the plans he has for you. They're for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. To enter God's rest know, to, is to know that God has a plan. I remember years ago when my husband left me with a eight-year-old and a 12-year-old. It absolutely was the most heartbreaking time of my entire life. I remember going by his girlfriend's house and seeing him standing out in the yard holding her six-month-old baby after leaving an eight-year-old and a 12-year-old, and it absolutely broke my heart. And I was sitting in church, it was on a Wednesday night, and tears were splashing down on my Bible, and a dear lady next to me reached over and opened my Bible to Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, where it says, I know the plans I have for you, they're for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope, and I can tell you, I hung on to that scripture, and that scripture has meant so much to me that regardless of how it looks, God has ordered your steps. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Regardless of how it looks, God knows the plans he has for you. And if you stay on the potter's wheel, you stay yielded to him, which is another way of saying coming under the yoke of Jesus is get on the potter's wheel. He's the clay and you're the, you're the pot. He, God's the potter. And the clay doesn't do anything but one thing, and that's to stay yielded to the potter. And you get slung off the potter's wheel, get back on. Because God is the potter, and you will never miss what God puts you on this earth for if you stay yielded to God. So that scripture has meant so much to me over the years, and I trust it's going to mean a lot to you because some of you who are listening in are going through divorce or going through problems, 
uh, and that you have no control over. But can I tell you, if God controls your life, he knows what you need. You know, I, the scripture says, uh, delight yourself in the Lord and you'll have the desires of your heart. And those during those times when my husband, when my husband left me, I knew that I, I had done so many things wrong, but I knew that I had delighted in the Lord. And delight in the Lord means to make your heart soft and flexible and tender toward him. And I remember crying out to the Lord for my marriage. And uh, I remember it was one Christmas and I was laying on the uh, front of the fireplace crying, just crying out to God. And I used to say to God before all this happened, Lord, you're all I want. You're all I want. Because I was really on fire for the Lord. God, you're all I want. And when I was laying before God on that floor, God said to me, Jerry, am I really all you want? And I said, yes, Lord, but I want my husband back. You said if I delight in you, Lord, and I know I've done that, I'll have the desires of my heart. Well, God didn't restore the marriage, but I can tell you that what I do today was really the delight of my heart. What I'm doing now is the delight of my heart. And had I stayed in that situation, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. So you see, God had a plan for me all along, even though he used all of that to show me how self-righteous I was. It was kind of like I was so haughty and so self-righteous during that time that I was teaching Sunday school in a Baptist church, and I was so judgmental of uh, this pastor that had all these deacons that were married and divorced and smoking on the parking lot, and I was so judgmental of those people. And when all this went through, when when I was going through all of this, it was like I got a two-before right between my eyes away. Because after that, it was like, well, at least they're not divorced. Because if I could have had a choice between him blowing my brains out and divorcing me at that time in my life, I would have chose death. And I said to the Lord one day, Lord, just kill me. Get me out of this world. And I said, well, Lord, if you're not going to get me out of this world, kill him. And he's still alive today, and we're friends. But um, it was a heartbreaking experience. But can I tell you, God worked it for good in my life. He showed me my sin. He showed me my pride. And he's, and I'm still getting delivered from pride. And this was in 1972. And here it is. How many years later? 30, uh, 47 years. 47 years later, God still delivered me from pride. You know, pride's like an iceberg. You can think you sawed it off at the water's edge and some more floats up. God, you know, Jesus died to get the devil out of us, and he's king over all the sons of pride. So praise God for deliverance. Praise God for healing. Praise God that he has, who has begun a good work in you will perform it into the day of the Lord Jesus. But to enter God's rest means to believe that that his character and his ways are perfect, not like my ways, not like my parents' ways, but his ways are perfect. And he has no human frailties. To enter God's rest means to die to all independent living. Give it all up. When something distresses you, just give it up. And what I pray is when fear comes, Lord, if you hear what the devil's trying to tell me, God, if that'll glorify you the most, then so be it. But devil, you're bound from my life. To enter God's rest is to know that it depends upon him and not on me. To enter God's rest, it means to know 
that it that it is a work of His grace. Ephesians two eight not for it's for the um, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. To enter God's rest means to know that it's it's up to Him to teach me. John three twenty seven says, "I have no need of a teacher because His anointing abides in me." To enter God's rest means to know that he is the resting place, his refuge. Psalms 91, he who dwells, lives in, abides under the shadow of the Almighty will, uh, see, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God will abide under his shadow and protection in his refuge. There's a scripture in Psalms 46, says, I will not fear though the mountains, and I'm, I'm not quoting quoting it exactly though the mountains though the seas roar and the mountains crumble into the heart of the sea i'll not fear because of his refuge to enter god's rest means to come out of all the places that have been a false refuge you know we take refuge in food we take refuge in shopping we take refuge in money we take refuge in so many things alcohol drugs we take refuge in denial uh, through we take refuge in through trying to protect ourselves or through blame shifting to other people. There are so many wet places where we take refuge and it's not, it's not God's rest, refuge. Um, to enter God's rest means to know you have done what the Lord has told you to do. It means to hold fast to your confession. And Jesus is the high priest of your confession. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. God says in due time you'll reap if you do not grow weary and lose heart. To enter God's rest means to walk in the spirit, Galatians 5.16. And there's two types of people who find it hard to rest. One who's parental inverted and the other is a performance-oriented type of person. A parentally inverted person is a person that grew up having to be the mom and daddy, the caretaker, had to take care of all the kids while mom and dad worked or while, or, or because mom and dad were incompetent or drunk or sick or mentally ill. Um, a child would be given a responsibility that they had to raise their brothers and sisters. And this type of person becomes a very responsible individual, takes care of everybody, carries everybody's loads, but have a hard, has a hard time uh, releasing that burden. You know, God says, the word of God says that the, that, um, the government was on Jesus's shoulders. Wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. The government was on his shoulders. And people that were parental inverted grew up having to be the caretaker, having to take care of mama, having to take care of daddy, having to take care of everybody. And they received a lie that God wants them to take care of everybody. And uh, it's a lie. And for a person to get delivered from this, it's to take the government off your shoulders. And it's a government that, that's in a spirit. You can't see the government that's been placed on your shoulders, the burdens. But... If you are that person, reach up and take the government off your shoulders and put it on Jesus. Jesus doesn't want you taking care of everybody. He wants to take care of you. And the lie is that 
God wants you to take care of everybody. I remember once a pastor called me. I didn't know she was a pastor. I didn't even know the lady. In fact, I couldn't even tell you her name. But she called uh, from Oklahoma, and she said, I'm getting ready to have to have hip surgery. And she said, do you have any insight? And the Spirit of God just spoke to me. I said, well, when you were a child, did you have to carry your mother and father, brothers and sisters, on your hip in the spirit realm? If you did, in the spirit realm, through a soul tie, they're still on your hip. And she said, how did you know? And I said, and now... And, of course, it was the Spirit of God that told me. And I said, and now you're a pastor, and you're carrying the whole congregation on your hip. And she said to me, you don't have to pray for me. I'm already healed. See, the truth set her free. So if you're that person that that was parental inverted, you need to go back and forgive your parents, break soul ties with brothers, sisters, mom, and dad, and take them off your hip and ask God to – and I don't – I can't think of the scripture. I think it's – Isaiah 61, but I'm not positive, but it says God, and I like the Amplified, it says God will pick you up on his hip, on his maternal knees, and he'll trottle you, lovingly bounce you up and down on God's maternal knees. And so lift your hand to heaven and ask, you know, you see every little, see, see a little kid say, Daddy, pick me up, and lift your hands to heaven and say, God, pick me up and put me on your hip according to your word. And I can tell you, he'll do that. And resign from being God. Take the government off your shoulders and say, this day, in whatever date it is that you're listening, this day, which happens to be June 18th, 2018, I resign as being God in everybody's life. I resign caring everybody. I put them on your shoulders, Lord. I take the government off my shoulders and I put it on your shoulders where it belongs. You see, it's rebellion. Even though I've never wanted to be in rebellion, I wanted somebody to take care of me. But when parents push kids into a role that they were never designed to be in, kids are supposed to be able to be kids, cared for and nurtured. And when they're pushed into a role of being uh, the parent, they throw the child into into rebellion. And so it's really rebellion. And another is a performance-oriented person. You know, I know perfectionists that sleep about two or three hours a night. They don't let anyone else rest. They're never happy. Nothing was ever good enough. And, you know, they won't take accountability for their sin because then they wouldn't be perfect. And so what they do is they blame shift. It's always somebody else's fault. I know perfectionists that won't ever say they're sorry. They'll never admit they're wrong. It's always your fault. And so if you're that person that that is performance-oriented, You know, you need to forgive your parents that they loved you based on your performance. And so the only way you got any love or uh, affirmation, I'm not sure that's love, but any recognition was when you performed or excelled in an area. And so you can't let down now because then you wouldn't be perfect and you're basing your whole existence on what you do. And God, in fact, that, that really honestly, that goes back to a religious spirit You may believe in Jesus, but it's the spirit of a Pharisee. Lord, I thank you that I'm not like everybody else. And it's a spirit of pride, and it's idolatry, and God's not pleased with it. In fact, a person that's performance-oriented is trying to uh, attain acceptance through the works of the law, what they're uh, trying to work to reform to do. 
and there are serious consequences of not entering God's rest, all kinds of cancer and autoimmune diseases and skin conditions and sickness in the body, <clears throat> uh, neck problems, back problems, headache problems. Just You could go on and on. Proverbs 14 says, um, A tranquil heart is life to the body, but passion, which means anger, rivalry, and jealousy, Rhymes the bones. There's bone cancer right there. There's bone sickness right there. And, you know, bones have a direct relationship to us being sick or well. Uh, bones register sin, righteousness. And the lack of rest, which is stress, has a destructive effect on the bones. Matthew twenty three twenty seven regarding a religious spirit. Woe to the scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Okay, if you're listening in, I'm going to lead you in repentance. <clears throat> And uh, we want to get those yokes off your neck that's not the yoke of Jesus. And if you're listening in and you can agree, pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for disobedience to your voice and your commandments. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for rebellion. I forgive my forefathers for disobedience to your voice and your commandments. And I renounce the spirit of unrest that's come down upon me through the generational iniquities of the forefathers and through my own rebellion, my own sin. <clears throat> Lord, forgive me for wearing the yokes of others. Forgive me for self-inflicted yokes, uh, yoking up myself with performance. <clears throat> forgive me, Lord, for um, controlling other people. Forgive, Lord, I forgive all the people that have controlled me and put their yokes upon my neck. Lord, I come under your yoke now. I yield to you. Lord, I'm the clay and you're the potter. And Lord, I put my junky clay on the potter's wheel. And Lord, today I give up my life uh, that I might find it. I choose to die to myself, choose to die to my flesh. Forgive me for unbelief and doubt and worry and fear. Lord, forgive me for striving, fretting, stewing. Forgive me for unbelief and doubt. Forgive me for hardening my heart and not entering your rest. God, I break the curse. Uh, I, I take accountability for this curse of unrest that's come on me because of disobedience to the voice of God in your commandments. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to break off this yoke of iron, break off um, the, the spirit of unrest trembling heart the felling of eyes i ask you to remove that lord in the name of jesus forgive me for not abiding in you lord lord i ask you to forgive me for um trusting in man trusting in myself uh, i forgive my mother and father that they were totally unreliable i forgive them that i had to be the parent i had to take care of my mama daddy brother and sisters if that's true I forgive my parents for loving me based on what I did. Lord, forgive me for believing lie. That's how, that's how you love me, it, based on my performance, and that's a lie. Lord, you don't want me to rest on the potter's wheel because that's what the clay does. 
is rest on the potter's wheel. Lord, forgive me for all the times as a child that I let the sun go down on my anger. Forgive me for turning to promises I made myself. Forgive me for not honoring my mother and father. Forgive me for making vows to protect my heart. Forgive me for turning to idolatry. Forgive me for not walking in this. Lord, forgive me for not entering your rest. Forgive me that when I've heard your voice, I've hardened my heart. God, forgive me for rebellion and unbelief and doubt. Forgive me for idolatry, Lord. Forgive me for striving, fretting, stewing. Forgive me for fit-throwing. Forgive me for not making it a priority that I enter your rest. Forgive me for not working out my salvation with fear and trembling. Forgive me for not asking you what the problem is. I forgive my mother and father for not communicating with me. I forgive them for not talking to me, not answering my questions. I forgive them for not giving me solutions. And, Lord, I renounce the lie that you're just like my mother and father. Forgive me for hardening my heart, O oh God, I ask in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Forgive me for not uh, living a lifestyle of rest. Forgive me for not releasing stress. Forgive me, Lord, I release it all to you. Forgive me for worry. Forgive me for fear. Lord, you've not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. God, forgive me for pain, not for the vexation that's brought pain to my life. Forgive me for anger and depression, fit-throwing, discouragement. Forgive me for fear of being out of control. Forgive me for fear, fear of man. Forgive me for self-pity, self-justification. Forgive me for not taking accountability for my sin. Forgive me for blame-shifting. God, forgive me for depression. Forgive me for hopelessness, bitterness, worry, anxiety. God, forgive me for uh, not abiding in the vine. Forgive me for not abiding in Christ. Lord, I take my junky clay and I put it on your potter's wheel. Forgive me for not overcoming as a child. God, I didn't know that I could go to you. Forgive me for believing a lie that you're just like my mother and father. Forgive me for turning to promises I made myself to protect my heart and not turning to you. Forgive me for being overcome instead of living an overcoming life. I forgive my parents for not training me up in the way I should go. I forgive them for setting a default of of, uh, unrest through how I was trained up. I forgive them that the family I grew up in was dysfunctional. And, Lord, I forgive my mother and father that even though I had a good home, if I did, they were they they didn't enter your rest. I ask you to break all defaults of unrest in my life. I ask you to redeem every lost opportunity. Lord, I come under your your discipline. Lord, I choose from this day forward to work out my salvation with fear and trembling by asking you what you're trying to teach me through what I go through. Forgive me for not pursuing peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one would see you. Father, forgive me for holding on to my life, holding on to anger and unforgiveness. Forgive me for not forgiving. I forgive every person that's hurt me. Lord, I forgive myself. Forgive me for continuing um, to get my buttons pushed. 
Lord, forgive me for idolatry. Forgive me for grumbling and complaining. Forgive me for being bitter. Uh, Father, forgive me for not allowing what I go through to conform me into your image. Forgive me for being overcome instead of overcoming. Forgive me for living in a state of unrest. Forgive me for ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Because I don't ask for the truth that sets me free. Forgive me for not loving the truth. Forgive me for walking in pride. Forgive me for holding on to my life. Forgive me for discontentment, wanting everything I see, being never satisfied. Forgive me for having a form of godliness and denying its power. Lord, I ask you to put to death everything that's not resting in me. Bring it to the cross. Lord, I tear down all structures and bad habits to live in unrest. Make me quiet. Give me rest. Lead me to a quiet abode. Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive me for not having perfect trust in your character, your promises, and your provision because I couldn't trust my character and the promises and provision of my parents. I forgive them for not nurturing me. Lord, I make a willful choice in the name of Jesus to lean on you and depend upon you and you alone to do whatever that I can't do myself. Lord, I choose to abide in the vine. Forgive me for being fruitless. I cast all my care upon you, Lord. I thank you. Forgive me for being anxious for everything. Forgive me for not waiting upon you so that I could renew my strength. Forgive me for not believing that you have a plan for me and that you've ordered my steps. Forgive me for not believing that your character and your ways are perfect. Forgive me for believing that you're like my mom and dad and have human frailties just like them. I choose to die to all independent living in the name of Jesus. Forgive me, Lord, for not believing that everything depends on you instead of me. Forgive me for thinking it all depends on me. Lord, forgive me for not realizing it's up to you to teach me when I don't know what I need to know. Lord, I come into your resting place. I come into your refuge, Lord. I come out of all the places that have been a false refuge, and I choose to dwell in your secret place and abide under your shadow and under your protection. Forgive me for that in the past I haven't done everything I knew I should do. Forgive me for not holding fast to my confession, not believing your word. Forgive me for not walking in the spirit. Forgive me for coming under a yoke of slavery, a yoke of bondage. God, I ask you to heal my body, heal my neck, uh, remove every infirmity from my body. Forgive me for not having a tranquil heart, 
Forgive me for passion, anger, rivalry, and jealousy that's rotten my bones. And Lord, I submit to you. I break soul ties with brothers and sisters, mothers, fathers, every person that's violated me, every person I've violated or controlled or who's controlled me. And Lord, I take every yoke off my neck and I obey your word. I come unto you because I labor and I'm heavy laden and I thank you that you give me rest in Jesus' name. Now I break all demonic soul ties that would tie them to um, people that they have carried, they have carried people that have controlled them. In the name of Jesus, I come against fear, doubt, unbelief, worry, anxiety, tension, stress, nervousness. I come against oppression, despair, discouragement, despondency. I come in. I, I come against grief, unbelief, doubt, lies, lying. I come against rebellion, antichrist. I come against every lie that God won't communicate with me. I come against every lie. Uh, Every lying spirit, I come against anger, bitterness, resentment, hostility, rebellion. I come against unforgiveness. I come against torment, tormentors. I come against sickness and disease, headaches, neck problems in the name of Jesus. I come against autoimmune diseases, infirmity, cancer. I come against every cancer spirit in the name of Jesus. I come against every spirit that would keep me from relaxing, inability to relax. All spirits of uh, tension, fear, anxiety, stress, I command you to leave every person who's listening in to this message in the name, power, blood, and by the authority of Jesus. Now, if you're listening, take a deep breath. The word spirit means breath. It's not anything hokey or weird. But the minute you repent, basically, you're free if you've truly repented. And now, Lord, now pray with me. Lord, now I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit, with love, joy, peace long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control in Jesus' name. Now, if you want prayer, you can call in at 646-595-4784, and don't forget to press 1, and I'll be happy to pray with you. And if you have a problem, you don't have to give me your name. God knows your name. And uh, if no one calls in, then we'll be through, but I'll just tell you while I'm waiting a little bit about the ministry. We're a faith ministry, and we appreciate those of you who have supported the ministry. You make it possible. And I'm sure um, Dorothy Carruthers at dchurchy at hotmail.com appreciates your gifts. Uh, we, we will be back again the third Tuesday of the month. We're the first and third Tuesdays from 6 to 8 p.m., and Abiding Life Ministries has uh, was came into being in 1978 by my late husband. <clears throat> you can go on my website. There's free teachings to listen to. There's um, free audios to listen to. There's tapes you can buy, books you can buy. Um, Jerry? You can add yourself to... Uh-huh. We Just do now. have a caller. Area code okay, 814. Okay. okay, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Hello. What's your Hello, name? this is Greg from Pennsylvania. Greg from Pennsylvania. Greg. Okay, how can we help you, Greg? First, I'd like to say that uh, probably maybe an hour before this uh, uh, broadcast came on, I was struggling mm-hmm. with all the things that, uh, that you're talking about. I mean, my body was oh, screaming out. 
<laughs> you know, Praise I God. have this thing where, I mean, God's gifted me in a lot of areas, okay, prophetically and mm-hmm. things like that. But mm-hmm. what you're talking about today is continually caused me to be, uh, I guess, drained out before I would have any kind of success. So I was never being able to enjoy God's blessing. Yes. You know, it's like, you know, it's Goodness, like thank your you body. for sharing. That's so encouraging. And it was like a lot of times, and sometimes you go through layers of deliverance, so you're never really sure uh-huh. what exactly is causing your problem. But uh-huh. it almost seems like every time I was on the verge to a victory, uh, I would feel that pain screaming out like with my parents. Like mm-hmm. I was refusing to be blessed because I wanted I wanted love first and not, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't want to perform almost, you know, like uh-huh. instead of mm-hmm. enjoying a that God would have, it's like, why do I care about my parents? <laughs> so mm-hmm. They live across <laughs> the road. And, uh, you know, and I've got them to pray with me a few times. That uh-huh. was like I was on the verge a nervous breakdown, you know, back then. Uh-huh. And I just got them to pray. But uh, mm-hmm. as far as just, you know, I've wanted them to pray for a long time. And I know my mother holds grudges easily over anything. Mm-hmm. You know, uh-huh. it's, it's, so, it's, it's, you know, and uh, I've been trying to, I definitely felt a, a relief. You know, Praise it's, God. It's, uh, the broad that way. But, uh, you know, just not getting pulled down by that. You know, I can't, it's almost like when I'm trying to break soul ties, a part of me just feels so guilty and all, all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, when you feel guilty, you're not taking, you know, God says if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And I used to be like you. I would just keep on confessing the same old sin if I was going to, pray for an hour I'd spend 45 minutes confessing sins I'd already confessed and one day I heard a man say that when God separates your sins for if from the east is from the west you can fly from east to west and never get there you can fly from south to north and get there and so he said he said and this changed my life he said if you keep confessing the same sin it's not God that's telling you it's the devil Confess your sin, repent one time, and then tell the devil where to go. And that really changed my life because now I live in a state of constantly, I mean, as the day goes on, I'm repenting all day of something. Whenever I see something, I repent right then. And then when I'm ready to pray, I'm already ready to pray, you know. But uh, you saw all the ways that unrest comes in. And if your mother holds grudges, which, which of your parents was the perfectionist that wanted you to uh, to be under their yoke was that your mother? I don't know. My dad is like that when it comes to work, but my mm-hmm. mother's like that when it comes to control. You know, like I remember right. being little and not being allowed out of the house with the other kids. Uh-huh. But my dad, uh, he worked all the time. And he worked away, and whenever he uh-huh. came home, he expected me to just take orders and hold tools for him. And, uh, you know, and both of them would, uh, they would say anything that they would have to say to kind of break your will and get you to do what they wanted you to do. And they still like that. Yeah. Yeah. I I used to be the same way when I go, when I go to my parents' house, the minute I step off the plane, this is that, this is when I was 40, 50 years old. 
every time I'd step off the plane, it'd be like a cloud of guilt <clears throat> would come over my head because they would control you through guilt. So right now, Lord, I, he forgives his mother and father for controlling him through guilt, which is demonic. He forgives them for, for training him up to perform. He takes their yokes off his neck. He comes under your yoke, Lord. And, Lord, we renounce the lie that you want him to live in unrest. And the guilt, I just command the spirit of guilt to leave you. Lord, I ask you to move upon Greg with your mighty Holy Spirit and set him free never again to be bound to a striving, fretting, stewing. And, uh, Greg, what you've been doing is they taught you to turn the potter's wheel instead of get on it. They never, people like your parents and bless their hearts, they did the best they knew how. Um, they never let you rest. So the lie is God never lets you rest when he demands that we rest. And so it see how twisted it is. So from this day forward, you're going to be able to rest. Just stay on the potter's wheel. Quit trying to turn it because mm-hmm. when you turn it, you're legalistic. <clears throat> In fact, that's rebellion. God, all the clay has to do, and you're the clay, is to take our junky clay and get on the potter's wheel and let the potter take out the junk. And that's what he does. If you ever watched a real potter, you know, now they use perfected clay, but back in the old days, they used clay they dug out of the ground. It had rocks and sticks and leaves in it. And it was a potter's job to take all the trash out. But if we're trying to turn the potter's wheel, we don't get conformed into his image. It's only as we give up our life to come under his control. And forgive your mother and father for being controlling and rigid. See, Parents model for a picture of us a picture of what God's like, and God's not God's not rigid. He's so merciful, or we'd be dead, all of us. Amen. I appreciate you sharing, you. and that really encourages me that the message was what you've been dealing with. And I hope you, I hope from this day forward, you're totally free in that area. Just always think about the potter's wheel. The potter does one thing. I mean, the pot, the clay does one thing, and that's to stay on the potter's wheel. And that's a picture of us resting. And the potter does everything else. If you've seen a real potter, the real potter turns the potter's wheel. He adds water, makes the clay pliable. He beats the bubbles out. He shapes it, forms it, molds it. <clears throat> as long as you stay on the potter's wheel, you can't miss God. And there's no guilt in it. And every time you hear guilt, just rebuke it because that's not God. It's a devil. Amen. Amen. Well, bless you. Um, there's a, there's a, there is a, if you go on my website, there, there will be a meeting in York, Pennsylvania, not York, Pennsylvania, but there'll be a meeting in, I think it's Mechanicsville or Mechanicsburg or something, Pennsylvania. But it'll be a spiritual warfare conference. And if you'll go on my website, uh, jerrymcgee.com, it's little G-E-R. It's, in fact, it's all little cl- lowercase, G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E.com, um, and sign up for my emails. Uh, I'll send out a flyer, uh, but it'll be, it's in Pennsylvania, and I don't know how far you are from okay. there. But, uh, I but did, I've been to Mechanicsburg okay. before for some Randy Clark stuff. Well, this isn't Randy Car. This isn't. Uh, I'd beware of that. <laughs> this is a real a repentance meeting, uh, spiritual warfare conference. 
Okay. Yeah, I'm. It's about two hours away. I think. Yeah, I'll check right. that out definitely. But stay away. Stay away from the drunkenness stuff because it's the drunkenness is not a. In fact, drunkenness <clears throat> is a curse, not a blessing. If you do a word study on drunk, on drunk, drunken, sober, alert, you'll see there's not one scripture that tells us we're to be drunk. In fact, it tells us to be sober. And I'm not saying okay, those that people that are into ago. that. Huh? That was What'd a long say? time ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. But well, stay away from any movement where there's drunkenness because... Um, in fact, I have a little book. If you if you go on my website, you can order it. It's called Drunkenness. Is it a blessing or curse? And uh, what happens is God. There's a table of the Lord and there's a table of demons. God has good wine, which is the good wine of His Word, and, and the bread of life. But the but the table of demons is uh, when we live in spiritual harlotry or spiritual adultery. God mixes up a cup of the wine of His wrath and makes the harlot drink it. So. Uh, this drunkenness thing is the drunkenness that's poured out on the harlot in the word of God. And it's actually a judgment instead of a blessing. That's just, that's just for your chef. <laughs> okay. I'll check that out. Well, Thanks. God bless you. you. Bless you. Bless, bless you. Bless you. Well, um, I'll just continue on. Uh, Duncan, I'll be in Duncanville. Well, I won't be there. My son will be teaching the Duncanville meeting July the 7th. And it'll be at the Hilton Garden Inn in Duncanville, Texas. And that's at exit 462 in Duncanville, which is Main Street and Interstate 20. Hilton Garden Inn is right on the, the, the south side of Interstate 20. And when you go in the front door, go to the right of the desk, go all the way to the end of the hall. And we meet at the last room on the right. Starts at 10 o'clock. And my son, Pastor Kyle Neese, will be teaching. Um, I'll be at Lake Hamilton Bible Camp that weekend myself in Hot Springs, Arkansas, which is um, July the 4th. I'm sorry, July the 5th through the 7th. And I guess I told you the date, the wrong date. I think I told you July the 7th is the Duncanville meeting, but maybe it's July the 6th. No, it's the 7th. That's correct. July the 7th. And so if you're in the Duncanville, Dallas area, go and support him. If you're near Hot Springs, Arkansas, uh, Lake Hamilton Bible Camp, you can go to lakehamiltonbiblecamp.com and get information. Uh, We have prayer teams that pray for people every morning, and you can really get a lot of freedom there. And it's very inexpensive to go. And so anyway, I appreciate uh, Sign up for my emails on my website. Uh, there's a book you can order, uh, Clearing the Land. I encourage you to order that. You can get actually get deliverance just going through the book. List all the Bible curses and prayers to pray and how to break soul ties. And uh, the book was finished in 1985, and it's really gone all over the world. My son's testimony also is a video. You can watch his testimony 13 days before he died of AIDS. This was my youngest son. My oldest son is my pastor. And... Uh, He's been a joy of my life. Anyway, praise God, my youngest son's in heaven. And so if no one else calls in, thank you so much for listening in. I hope you'll listen in again on the third Tuesday and the, and the first Tuesdays of each month from 6 to 8 o'clock on, Dorothy, on Dorothy's network. And um, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you.
and give you even greater peace. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.